Hello, everyone. Welcome to Moms Talk Autism. We have a special guest on this week, and we are so excited to chat with her. Stay tuned. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Okay, so this week we have myself, this is Brittany, as you well know. Hopefully you know my voice by now. We've got the lovely Jean here with us. Hello. Jean's uh, getting ready. Well, you're going to hear this much later, but we're we're at the end of school when we record this. So Jean and I are both kind of like seeing the impending looming like summer, summer break, like a, a heavy cloud over our heads. <laughs> In many ways, <laughs> right now, but but the uh, this the silver lining around that cloud is today. We are talking to Dr. Elisa Elliott, and we are so excited to have her on today. Welcome, uh, and uh, please introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, thank you very much for having me on today. Um, as you said, my name is Dr. Elisa Elliott. I am a special needs sibling and a professional who's worked in the special needs social service disability community for over 20 years. So I have personal experience um, as well as uh, work history experience uh, spanning the course of working with people of vulnerable and underserved populations in Texas. Yes, you're in the Houston area, correct? I am in the Houston area. That is correct. Awesome. Uh, tell us a little bit about, if you don't mind, about your, your sibling, your sister. Uh, my sister, we are nine years apart. Um, we grew up together. We have different fathers. Uh, my mother is a single parent, and um, I helped my mother raise my sister because she had to work full time since um, neither one of our fathers were uh, in the household. Um, so I helped out a lot. She is um, autistic, nonverbal. Uh, currently lives in a state-supported school environment. Um, she's able to speak a couple of phrases. She is able to um, assist with toileting, and now she is 31 years old. So she's been in group homes and supported living facilities since she was 14. Wow. Yeah. So you you have firthand in-the-trenches experience with all of this. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Bless you and your mom for, for doing that. Um, and Thank you. Yeah. And because of that, it's kind of brought you to where you are today with your career and, and your your advocacy. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you do? Um, I have a personal assistance service agency. It's licensed with the state of Texas. And we assist with personal care needs, which is basic needs that are they're not covered by um Waiver programs or Medicaid or Medicare is personal care. So it's private pay or pay through insurance. And I also have a foundation called Crystal Spectrum Foundation. And there we work with young to middle age adults with a disability to teach them office administrative skills that they can work remotely. 
Um, we also provide them with work transportation vouchers and we help them with internships with different businesses. And we also help with resource fairs to engage with the community and let them know about available options in their area. Wow. That's a lot of different balls <laughs> to keep juggling up in the air. That's, that's amazing. Um, we are, we're just thrilled to have you on to talk about all of these things. Um, we really want to, uh, maybe, maybe we can start the conversation with the caregiving aspect and mm -hmm. talk about, um, you know, there's different ways to care for someone with, you know, divergent needs. Um, there's, there's a respite that you can offer. There's, there's a nanny service, there's babysitting, there's, mm -hmm. There's a companionship kind of level to it. There's medical care that could be offered. Um, it just kind of depends on it's it's very individual, right? And what what right. each person needs in their life. Now, I live in California, and we have a respite care program where there are hours that our children can be um, qualified for, and then we are able to hire somebody either through through a service such as one that you you have or find our own respite worker and the state will cover some of that time um and that's a huge blessing and i know not every state has that uh and it doesn't sound like that's the case in texas uh, and so it becomes you know jeans jeans already <laughs> that's a big hot button issue for jean and it should be it should be um but uh you know, obviously it can offer some relief, that program, but you still have to find someone that you trust and care for and feel comfortable with, um, not, you know, financial parts aside. So, but there are programs out there for some states where you can, can, you know, get, get some financial aid in hiring someone to help you with your child or whoever you need. But there's also private pay, like you said, um, those are options as well. And it, it's tricky and, uh, it's a lot to navigate. It's, it's already very emotional. It's someone you care for and that you feel responsible for. And now you're trying to find someone else to help you because, you know, we can't, sometimes we can't always be there 24 seven. So Dr. Elliot, how is it that people find you? Like, how do they find that you're able to offer these services yesterday? I sat in a panel and um, I think it was, it was the workforce solutions task force, which is a statewide agency. And they said something interesting to, and profound that was like, well, we don't wait for people to come to us. We go to the people. Mm -hmm. And so how does that, how, how do you, in terms like relate to that? Is that, what your experiences are people finding you like how how is how is the accessibility becoming accessible to them to, to even know about this well we do a lot of type of community outreach and word of mouth we've been around for six years um and a lot of the volunteers that i have today that work with me i used to be their caregiver so I just I actually started the business um, working directly as a caregiver, and a lot of those people that also helped that I was a caregiver, their parents are part of different Facebook autism support groups, um, 
And also we work with local businesses when we do our resource fairs. That helps get our word out, too, about the services that we offer. Um, we also we're online, social media. Um, website is uh, up as well. I have articles um, out about caregiving service or respite uh, care service in this matter. And a lot of the information that I do get is from therapies. Um, ABA clinics, they contact us and say that they have uh, parents who need help. I think with the respite and caregiver service, which is it's kind of the same respite is more so you need a break. We're going to have these two eyes come in and watch and get to know your family. Caregiving is it's a bit different. And then you have direct support professional. It, it all depends on what type of service care that you need. Um, and what I found is there is just a shortage of caregivers and <laughs> care um, professionals. And that shortage was around, um, sorry, God bless you. That shortage was around before COVID hit. It just escalated with COVID. Um, and it kind of changed the way that a lot of people look at the industry now. So parents have reached out and said, you know, I'm a part of this program in Harris County where I'm supposed to get a waiver. Could be the, the Harris Center or they may be with um, Easter Seals because they have respite programs as well. And they have the funding, but it's so hard to find the people. Yes. And so that's where a lot of parents reach out to our organization to help out. Um, unfortunately, in Texas, it's kind of like a gridlock on how I'm able to help. A lot of the parents that come to me, they're on a waiver program, which pays for the service, but they cannot get a um, caregiver through my agency or respite care through my agency. I have to refer them to someone that I am contracted with who um, is is very great and they have like references to back them up. And I've worked with them for four or five years. But those people, they're, they're so good that their hours book up immediately yeah. and they're able to, you know, charge um, for their service however much they want to. So um, they're in very much high demand. So we're all kind of fighting to find that perfect respite, caregiver, direct support professional. Um, and in my experience, I worked with individuals with fetal alcohol syndrome, um, cerebral palsy, um, angel man syndrome, um, autism, Alzheimer's, dementia, like all across the board. And I'm just telling you, like right now is is very hard. And a lot of people are dependent on their family members. But, you know, you can depend on them for so long. But he has a special needs sibling. You go off to college, you get married, you know, you move out the house. Um, but I'm a very firm believer that parents need to experience that life, too. I've, I've, I've met with some parents. They've been a caregiver and they're like 65 and their child is adult child is now 40 yeah. and they're kind of like, I want to experience my golden years, but I need to be able to trust somebody. So it's, it's an ongoing battle that we've been researching and looking into to see um, what is going to, to help parents and family yeah. members in particular to help share that load. Right. It's, I mean, there's, there's a nationwide teacher shortage. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure that then 
you know, goes over into this caregiver um, aspect. I think it's really interesting. Jean mentioned something in a private conversation we had, uh, I think it was last week. And she was saying that, you know, this teacher shortage and this caregiving shortage that we have just in all aspects of, of society, um, it's even harder when you add on the, the special needs or the special education side of it, because there is not only extra training, but there, there's a level of care that is elevated in that area. Mm -hmm. And so not only are you not finding your, you know, replacements for your third grade general education classes, but then trying to find a special education teacher or a special education respite worker on top of that is just a whole nother level. And right. um, it's, it's going to be, the big problem soon. It's the, here's the, and here's the thing. So one thing that you and I will have to do in the interim, um, Dr. Elliot, is, you know, you talked about the gridlock <laughs> that exists. So there's these levels of bureaucracy mm -hmm. that create more barriers that inhibit the accessibility that is needed. So obviously there's something legislatively we need to do to release that and open that up and these legislators don't they don't understand they've they've made laws sometimes with well-intentioned intentions but don't realize the unintended consequences of that and it's compounding a system that is already fractured it's already mm -hmm. fractured and it continues to get more fractured and so like I, I really commend you for still being able, like you, your story and your experience is so commendable because you have configured the workarounds, you know, but it's like, do, when do the workarounds run out? You know, when do, when do they run out, you know, and how many people's needs aren't getting met and all of those, all of that data that needs to be presented. It's a huge, huge human health and human services issue here, um, particularly in our state. And it's not just unique to Texas. There are a few other, unfortunately, handful of states that are just as bad in that department. Um, but they don't, people don't, it's like this, it's we're siloed, you know, as disability community, and this level of care. And that's, I think, and that's why parents constantly feel like they're operating in that. They constantly feel like we're operating as caregivers in this like world of afterthoughts. Um, and you know it because mm -hmm. you felt it. you were helping your mom and you also got to witness your mom as being one of those individuals. And also obviously, you know, you're talking about your sisters. You said she's 31 now, mm -hmm. you know, you've, you got to observe, you know, disability in a time of three decades and how different it is now compared to when it was when she was initially probably diagnosed and what services and resources were available then. And so you're kind of in this place of kind of being conditioned to this is the way that it is. And I'm always going to find a way like you were that kind of person. That's the way you come across and people like you are treasures. No, <laughs> and, thank you. Uh, and we hope again, like you said, so do you, you said you talked about Easter seals. So do you collaborate with them at time or I guess like 
work together, like refer back and forth? Do you guys do that at all? Um, I don't collaborate with them um, directly, but I've had some of their clients contact or consumers um, contact us about finding a caregiver. And it's because like some of them have waited over six months to a year waiting for someone to come in and to provide that respite care service. So that's the same with the Harris um, Center. They have a respite program as well. But with those programs, you have to have a contract in order to work directly with them, which also prolongs the process um, because they, they're they really great at vetting who they're going to work with as well. But it's also a barrier between agencies and organizations like Harris County or um, the Harris Center, I'm sorry, or Easter Seals, because you do have to have that relationship and that connection. But overall, like I, I explained to people when we're looking at respite care service, because of the shortage, I always say that you need at least three people on your team. You need that one person who's going to be that primary person that's going to be able to be there. And you need a backup person for that primary person. And then you need a backup for your backup. And that's like a 360 degree approach to making sure that your caregiver needs or your respite needs are met. Another thing that I, I like to stress to parents because it's such a long hiring process is that people are in high demands. So if you see a caregiver or you see somebody that wants to be respite and you're like biting your fingernails over it and you're waiting a while, the chances of them being around when you actually need them is going to decrease because they've probably got a job somewhere else. And the thing that I have to say about that is even if your child did not have a disability, no one is going to treat them the way you treat them. So you definitely got to give people an opportunity and a chance and look at it as if this is a job. There are job duties. There are you know, tasks. There needs to be a job description. You need to stick with that job description, acknowledge those respite workers or caregivers, and, you know, treat them as such without trying to blur the lines. Because at one point you can find your favorite respite person and then they can also take advantage of you, you know, and they can start out good. They may say, I want to work three days a week. I may want to work five days a week, but we all need a break. We're human. So finding someone that says I'm available anytime, any hour you need me, that's a red flag to me because I, I it, it seems like there's no boundary and you're just really desperate for a job. And you don't want to hire people out of desperation because if they're very desperate and in, in, in that need of taking care of your loved one, I'm going to tell you that they're they're going to come forward with some financial hardships. They might want to borrow your car do their laundry at your house. The next thing you know, they're eating your food. So it's really good to give those people, you know, an opportunity and just don't limit yourself to trying to find that one perfect person because you're that perfect person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the person outside of that. I know. They really, all they all, all the pressures back to us. You <laughs> yeah, just, you just, you just reinforced like exactly. It's like, oh, well, sure. I can relinquish trust and I will allow someone else to take care of my kid. Like Brittany definitely has gone through this psychosis with herself every oh, yeah. single time. Like even with her own brother coming to take care of her kid, you know, it's like, yeah. I don't do you know what you're signing up for. Are you sure? 
But nobody's going to be as perfect as you because you've been with your child since birth. You know, every trigger there is, you know, that sometimes it's the temperature and that's triggering, you know, an outcome or maybe they don't like the color red. You know, those are things that you've learned over time. So to expect someone to come in and get it right off the bat and the first time they mess up or something, they're human, too. But at some point possibly a natural law, your child will be on this planet possibly without you. And you're going to have to learn how to also trust your child and trust your decisions and who you are hiring to come in and to provide that respite. Absolutely. Um, So you you definitely got to give people a chance, but you also got to realize that there's some trial and error and, you know, it's a lifelong job. Yeah, we got to give grace too, and, you do. and balance you have to that out. Yeah, yeah, that was a great I, tip on that red flag. Like seriously, yeah, because that 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 sounds you know it sounds so you know good. You know, it sounds like oh my god, it's amazing. I just like found the most amazing <laughs> human who just wants to come in and save me because I need saving right now. I need relief, and then you're like, mm, it is yeah. be very trepidatious about that because I, I have been in uh, a school that was dedicated to students who were on the spectrum and they had video cameras in like every classroom. And what they told me, the director said that the parents would always say that their child wasn't able to do this alone or do that alone. And the truth was the parents never allowed the child to do it alone. So what they would do was pull the parents in and say, look at your kid on camera. They're doing it. Yeah. So sometimes you also have to, you know, I don't want to say be like a helicopter mom, but you just got to trust because, I mean, they're smart, they're intelligent and aware. Mm -hmm. And I also say trust their decision when you're looking at a respite worker. If the respite worker comes in and I shouldn't say this, but I'm just like, if your dog doesn't like them. (laughs) (laughs) There's some instincts there. Or if your kid is like, no, then. Oh, you need to take their feelings into account too. You do. And they feel comfortable around. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a lot to take into consideration, but it's also being able to be trusting, to delegate, and to know that, hey, I need three people here. I love the three yeah. people. Like, I have not done that, but I think I'm going to <laughs> adopt that as my goal, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's ideal, right? Yeah, to that's have- good. I'm, I will support that goal, Brittany. Yeah, that's a a lofty goal. It's a very lofty goal, but but even if it's not all signed up in what during you know using one respite service or or you know use more than one, absolutely whatever that ends up being. But um, you know, I I've been able to find I've been very very lucky. I have found over our sixteen years with my son so far, we've had two exceptional respite workers who have just been these magical unicorns of people that we have just loved working with and they've, they love my child and they've been able to learn and grow and make mistakes, but when able to work with them and figure things out, we've created healthy boundaries, all of those things that you've talked about. And then in both instances, they've moved away just life, you know, it just yes. happens. And so, and then we have to start all over again and, and that's no one's it's fault. It's like dating. So it tell is, it's like dating. It's, it is kind of like dating. It is a relationship. It's a very personal and um, intimate relationship that you're creating with this person. So, um, 
the only constant in our life is change, right? And so we need to, we need to keep that in mind. And so if you have maybe those backups and a backup to the backup, those, Mm -hmm. those times when things do change for whatever reason, maybe we, we cover some of that overlap a little bit better. So I don't know. I just think it's, it's a lofty goal, right? Of course, we're not always going to be able to have it perfectly set up that way, but it's just good to keep in mind. Yeah. And some people do contract agreements. So you might run into some caregivers that are willing for you to, you know, pay them a retainer, mm-hmm. you know, and you have like a contract agreement. Hey, this is good for a year. I'm going to pay you this retainer. And now if I need you in the backup emergency, then you're supposed to come through. But definitely make sure that those people have their um, references. You check those references out. And they're in a drivable distance to where you're at. I mean, here in Houston, I always tell people, you know, if they're 15 miles out, they're not going to be a good worker, in my opinion, because of traffic. Absolutely. You don't want to have to, you know, drive an hour to go to work and then an hour to come home. And in this case, sometimes when you do get respite, you're not back when you say you're supposed to be back. Things happen, you know. Yeah. But it's also good to have a good schedule. So maybe you say, I need respite every Wednesday or every other Wednesday or two Wednesdays a month for eight hours or maybe the weekend. But you also want to try them out on a short period of time. So maybe you come in and you sit with my child for like four hours and we'll see how that goes. Maybe two hours. And then That's we something can talk. we've done. Yeah. We, yeah. we start off with smaller increments of time mm-hmm. with me here the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, there's a training process to it, right? It actually is harder at first than it, than it is relief mm-hmm. because not it takes only more work. You, it takes mm-hmm. more work. Not only are you there physically and the person, the stranger maybe that you've never met before is in your space but then you're having to talk about that child and show all of these things to this person. And instead of just getting them their plate of food, you're having to explain the steps to make the mm-hmm. meal, which takes even longer than just making the meal for your child. So, you know, it at first, just like anything, you know, you're cleaning out your closet. It's always messier when you start than, than just, you know, when you finish. It, mm-hmm. it, gets, it gets worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, Only apropos that I'm sitting in my very messy closet right now. <laughs> One of the suggestions that could also help with that is if you do have a Gmail and a Google Drive, you can create your own little, you know, booklet of what care needs need to be completed. And I would also like add um, people in my family, immediate family, uh, to give them access to that booklet. So if something were to happen to you or you can't get back home, uh, you know, like a favorite TV show will calm them down. That's some uh, valuable information to let that respite worker know. I mean, the easier you make it on the respite worker and the caregiver, the longer that they'll stay around. Absolutely. And they also have to have that experience of you're there, you know, training them and also what it's like when you're not there, Yes. how that relationship works out. I recently had a uh, mom that went in for a surgery and she contacted one of our uh, she contacted us because she was in a waiver program and I gave her information to one of our caregivers and the mom was like, she has to come here cause he has to see her face just before the first day. And um, everything went great. And the next day she was in the hospital and the caregiver called me and she was in a complete panic because he woke up in panic that his mom wasn't there. 
Mm-hmm. And he was having all these behavior issues. But once she texted her and she gave her, you know, like um, recommendations on things to do that helped calm them down. Because kids act one way with the parent there. They act another way with the parent not there. Absolutely. But also, Neuro- neurotypical yeah. kids do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Neurotypical. All of, So with that booklet or that Gmail um, folder yeah. that you find and that you email it, it's, it's really good. I do uh, things like that where I even schedule to release an email even 10 years from now. Mm. So I don't know how long Gmail allow you to leave your account open without you checking them, but I'm expecting (laughs) (laughs) for that email to go through 10 years from now and be like, are you sure you're doing this? Check all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. We have, we have a document just like you've, you've suggested. Um, We call it the book of Austin at our house. I like it. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's it really does help, and I, I I update it periodically. You know, you have to go through and and keep that information in there current, but it I think it does help those who come in. Um, and it should also them. help you write a good job description when you're looking for respite workers too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it gives them an idea, right? Yeah, and, and that's something that I really look at with my respite workers that are coming in is I try to be very real with them. I don't want to scare anyone, but I also need you to, to really understand the reality of the situation you're in. Um, there, there can be a physical aspect to it. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to be strong enough. You have to be tall enough, et cetera. You have to be able to handle certain messes. And if those are triggering for you as a respite worker, then maybe, maybe this isn't a good fit. You know, it goes both ways. Really, It does. Yeah. So I, I have a, a maybe a, a hard question. What do you do if it doesn't work out? Well, basically, before it doesn't work out, you should also look up reasons like why. Acknowledge why this isn't working out. And I'm a bit analytical, and I always feel like you could plot it out on the timeline. These red flags, what happened? Did you try to correct the situation, or did you just keep letting it like fester, and then you exploded, and it was like, no. Um, if you're able to correct that action and sit down and have a conversation with the person, then you may be able to, you know, save that relationship, redirect them and help the, their job become better. But again, you might not want to save everybody. Sometimes people quitting, it, it releases the stress and pressure of trying to keep them around. Um, and everybody isn't meant to be kept. But Um, Basically, as soon as you see something that you're unsatisfied with, that's a great opportunity to pull them to the side and also to explain this is kind of what I'm not happy about, but I appreciate it that you did this part, but let's try it this way. And this is the reason why we do it this way. Yeah, I think explaining why is a huge part of that. It is. It's huge. Dr. Elliott, Um, some of the stuff that you're pointing out here is also very applicable to even just having therapists inside of your home. Many of us have, you know, have had ABA therapists and behavioral therapists that are there for more than the half hour, one hour sessions. They're there for hours and hours, sometimes the Mm -hmm. whole day or half a day. And it is very much all of the full range of the acquisition, the acquisitioning that particular person to your home and setting the expectations and being in agreement with this is how you're going, you know, what to do in these particular things and introducing them to all the different nuances of 
your child's lives and, and also then scaling it back and dialing it back and saying, okay, I'm here, but I'm not here right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're on like fully on. Um, but there's a lot of preparation for parents. And a lot of the things that you even talk about in um, preparing for, you know, this, this type of dynamic, you know, this type of, um, relationship, having a respite worker, it's like this, you are, and I, can be very intimidating to parents. You are the CEO, mm-hmm. you know, you are, you are the top dog and you are setting the bar and you have to have, it's like this, your child becomes a business. Exactly. And we, and we talk a lot, like Brittany specifically too, like we've talked so many times, like we're our kids' personal assistants, yep. you know, but yep. we're not just the personal, we're the executive assistant and we are the CEO and we're doing all these things. And this is a part, this is a part of the care map that honestly ends up being the thing that gets left off because so much of the other stuff is so all consuming Mm-hmm. But what they don't realize is that, and I can, I'm living it. I'm living testament to it right now. Like right now in my life, total living testament to it is that you don't have that integrated into your care plan. Then you're really drowning. Mm-hmm. So do as I say, not as I do. Don't be <laughs> like Jean. I want you all not to be like me right now. Okay. I want you to do better. Listen to Dr. Elliot. We'll get you there. I think it's really interesting. Um, So this, all of this conversation that we've had, if you're a new parent, newly diagnosed, right? You're thinking this is way too overwhelming. I'm never hiring somebody. (laughs) I'm just going to take care of it myself. Thank you very much. That's probably what I would have said, you know, in the beginning. Um, But I, I, maybe we could all speak a little bit about, why? Why would you need to hire somebody? What What is so important about getting a respite worker or a caregiver at any stage of this, you know, special needs journey? Uh, um, my honest um, answer to that is it, it's beneficial to you. Um, I might catch a lot of heat for this because I know so many people say, you know, put your kids first, right? But I'm like, no, you need to put you first. And by doing that, you put your kids first. So for your mental health, you need someone to come in and to provide that respite. Um, if it doesn't happen, then it, it kind of feels like your job, your life, your career is to be your child's advocate. But you are more than that. You need your break. You need to go out and talk to friends. You need to have romantic dinners. You need to go on vacation. You need to get out the house. You need to breathe. You need to be able to trust, to delegate. And you cannot do all of that under one environment for an extended period of time. We all need rest. It's a, you know, my dissertation is in voluntary turnover in the nonprofit sector, um, basically covering why do people quit? Um, the short answer is people will do what they make up their minds to do. But underlining is is job burnout, job dissatisfaction. It's all of those things that happen in a work environment that can also happen in your home, which can lead to depression, to you, um, you know, not giving the attention and time that you need to your other kids or to your spouse, to divorce. 
all of that stuff is buckled in. That's the reason why respite is so important, not only for you, but also for your kid. Because I know you might not want to hear this, but kids get tired of us. <laughs> Our kids get tired. And they need a break from us, too, to flourish and to grow. And if you have a kid who is neurotypical that is not requiring that much, you know, time and energy or, or space from you as you need, um, you need to look at it as your your child with a disability. They need to have that same type of um, um, they need to have that same type of like environment. They need their space too. We all are human. We need our space. We need our time. We need our peace. We need meditation. We need you know to to get back to ourselves and then we can come back and be a better person. Our mind is not so cluttered. You can think about autism all day long, but it's, it's not gonna change the fact of what exactly is happening around you. Give yourself some time to get out of that space and to just enjoy you. Makeover, hair, spa, anything. And I promise you when you get better to that home, to your house and to your home or whatnot, or to your child, your attitude would be so much different. But if you're stuck in that space, you're going to look up 20 years from now, you're going to realize that's the space you were stuck in that whole time and what exactly happened to you. Right. So that's why respite is so important. It truly, truly is. It's, and it's a muscle that you have to learn how to use, right? Right. The first time you go out on your own and you leave your child Mm -hmm. with somebody else, it's probably not going to go super great for you. It's going to be really, really hard. But if you keep doing it, whatever that is, whatever respite looks like for you, it will get easier and better over time. It can, it can, um, that doesn't mean it's always going to be perfect, Mm -mm. but, um, it's, it is truly important. I find that when I am able to get away in whatever capacity that is for my children, I am able to have a sense of clarity. If there's a problem that I'm working with, with my child and we're just really stuck, you know, the school and I are trying to figure out this behavior and I just don't know what to do. If I am able to take a break at some point, sometimes a solution will be, mm-hmm. will be able to present itself because I've, I've given my mind that rest, right? Yes. We can get stuck in a rut and you're just kind of spinning. You're stuck in the loop. You yeah. get stuck in a loop too. I mean, it's, it's very important to, to take the time for yourself. I mean, respite, it doesn't mean that you have to be out five days a week. A respite is no. whatever you want to make it. You may, you may only need one day, a, one day a month out. Maybe that one day you want to spend eight hours and maybe you just want to go to a hotel and just like chillax for the day and, and go back home. Or maybe you want to go see a parent or go shopping just to get your mind off of everything that you have to deal with constantly. Um, rest and breaks are great. That's why we, we really don't participate in year, year-round schools. And when we do, we have those week breaks because we all need them. And people need to take advantage of the, of you know, respite breaks and also um, hiring different people or bringing them in to interview and to talk to them. Because that's a process in itself. Like I'm, I'm telling people, you know, you need three people. That doesn't mean you're going to get three people to come in at one time. You might hire one today and you might not find a backup for three months down the road. But that is good because most workers kind of break around three to four weeks. Okay. 
So in three to four weeks, you're going to really know if this person is going to stick around or if they're or they're not going to make it. Um, but you do need to have that backup person. And even if you go and have two people, what I tell folks is like you're working with two people. You might want one to work two days a week, the other to work two days a week. You want to fluctuate because then you can tell the real difference. And you can also see a pattern in your child's behavior. Absolutely. Um, but you have to try it out because you are the CEO um, of your household and you got to be able to speak up, say what you want, be firm about it. Just make sure that if you correct an action, you let the people know what they did right in that action too. Yeah. And the reason, and um, it's a lifelong process. So truly is. you'll get better like over time. I find you, you're extremely lucky to be able to have two caregivers over 16 years. That means that you created a very uh, great work environment, uh, working conditions, and they love what they, what they were doing, but they had to move. They had to move. Yeah. And, and you had nothing to do with that. No. And it just, it just happens. Right. And, and our, our circumstances change too. Um, and the amount of respite you may need will change over yes. time. It's not going to stay the same, um, as your child grows or as you get older yourself. Um, I think it's really interesting. You can find respite people in, in all different areas of my life. And I'm always looking, even if I have a person, which I do right now. I'm, I'm very blessed. I have a person right now, but I'm still looking, I'm still looking for that backup or whatever. We've had, uh, aides at their, at their schools who have wanted after school hours. Oh, that's we've great. Come in. We've had neighbors, we've had, um, fellow, you know, church friends from church. We've had family members. We've had, um, people from agencies that were offered to us. We interviewed them and that we had one that worked out that way. We've mm -hmm. had lots that didn't work out that way. You know, it's, you have to, you can't just kind of funnel everything into one area and hope or, or hope someone just drops into your lap. And it, I've, I've asked people who are in charge of organizations um, or who are in charge of youth programs out in my community. I've put my name out there. Do you know of anyone? You know, I'm actively looking for those people too. Uh, I, I know it's another layer. I know it's another thing, guys. And trust me, <laughs> we get it. But uh, it's just important to keep, to keep that, at least that in the back of your mind as much as possible. Um, I've gone, I've gone years without anybody too. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it's a, it's a moving target. So. I wanted, I wanted to, because I'm living, I'd come, uh, take the opportunities. There's different sets of circumstances here and within yes. our group. Okay. And I am, when, when I had their dad here living with me, it still gave me a physical body to allocate attention. Even if I was the person that had to exert additional energy to prompt him to do certain things, whatever it was. Um, it allowed me to manage all the parts of the care map uh, more extensively now in this season. And I think, you know, we have, we do have single moms in our group. Um, and I know that this is something that I need to do is, you have to reach out to those third-party providers, um, like caseworkers, to help orchestrate to tie you to these programs, um, so you can have have them help you do some of the legwork because you can't do all the legwork 
by yourself. Um, it's just, I would love to do it by myself. I just, I can't even get to, I'm barely lucky if I can call the prescriptions in right now. (laughs) Like, you know, like I, you know, I'm like, or divvy out, you know, all the, the day-to-day stuff, you know, that you don't even realize you're doing, you, you just do it. And, um, so I think when you, when it is all on one person, and that was great that you, Dr. Elliot, were there to be a support for your mom because you gave her that additional support she needed for all of these other moving parts. Like my daughter's the neurotypical one. She's seven. She's not in any capacity able to help me in that manner. You know, Mm -hmm. I, it's, it's not. And right now it feels like I have twins personally, you know, because where Rory is developmentally, you know, and him being nine and her being seven, it feels like I have twins And so kind of somewhat it's similar functioning levels in some capacity, but I'm now, so I am putting more stress on her and more strain. You do find yourself doing that and that we've talked about that on our episodes um, where unfortunately the neurotypical siblings end up taking on more responsibilities at a younger age than they would um, under normal circumstances there's more pressure and, and it's just, there's, there's just a different set of environmental factors that happen in homes like, like ours. Um, and it's not openly talked, talked about. I think we all kind of just suffer through Mm -hmm. (laughs) per se and everything that you were saying, I felt like you were talking to me. These are things that I preach. I preach all these things. Mm -hmm. I tell these to parents and families that I mentor and I'm like, wow, I really cracked the bed here because I <laughs> missed this piece. I had all the other pieces in part, but now I'm facing major burnout right now and I don't know how I'm going to recover. And so I'm sharing that because this is what she's, she's not just saying it. It's like, this is some luxury. This is mm-hmm. very real. This mm-hmm. is very real. And what Brittany described is, yes, when we... When we are in the younger, early on years, we're like, I can do it all. Mm-hmm. And you think it's all sustainable. And guess what? <laughs> it's not. It's just not. Because as we talked about on our last episode that published um, this week, well, you know, does it get easier? No, there's there's new hard. You You may have built capacity within yourself, but there is new hard down the road. And so if you can... I really think about building this in why maybe why the load is a little bit lighter. If, if you think the load is lighter when, when they're younger, anytime the load kind of gets lighter, just be like, okay, now I need to set aside time to carve out that respite plan like right now. And it's always been on my to-do list. It's never not been on my to-do list. Sure. It's just very far, 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 far down <laughs> and it needs to be up here. I think when the kids are younger, it's easier to, it feels easier to manage because you can pick them up and move them to the side. You know, I pick you up and I can pick you you over. You can physically move them, yes. (laughs) But as they get older, and one thing that you will realize is um, hormones kick into place. And teens will be teens regardless of if they're neurotypical or typical or whatnot. 
hormones, teenage years, you're definitely going to need, you know, respite. But I really wish that more parents would take that opportunity to use the hours that they have and to just go out there and recruit and select and just give it a chance because you will implode and you will experience burnout, but it gets easier every time. And you, you learn from your mistakes of what you, you know, how you hired the last person. And you can automatically say, okay, I hired this person. I did not like this. I did not like that. So I'm going to make sure I mention this when I hire the next person, but it gets easier in that capacity, but you do need respite and you do need to take care of yourself. That's perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, all right. So is there anything else? Can you tell us a little bit? I just want to know a little bit about Chrysalis Spectrum Foundation and uh, your programs that you have there uh, with, you know, providing jobs for people with neurodivergence. I just am fascinated by this. Uh, so Chrysalis Spectrum Foundation started in 2019, right before COVID. Um, our of course. board, of course, yeah. Of course. It's like, wow, COVID. That's a great time um, to start something new. It's just great benchmark in our lives that we will forever, it will always be a touch point. After post-COVID. Yeah, it's, it's, it really like, it's like BC and, you know. Yeah. yeah. But um, we started um, the foundation um, in 2019, really wanted to push it off the ground with teaching job skills. The first person that I took in was um, Andrew um, and he's a self-advocate. Andrew's around 27 years old. He's graduated from college. Um, and I taught him how to do social media marketing using um, different web hosting sites, as well as how to do email blasts and um, writing blog posts from his point of view. And so that started with Andrew and then we picked up Secret and I used to be her caregiver and Secret's, um, she's bilingual and she writes a lot about her favorite hobbies and um, taught them about blog posting and how to do project management on the side. Um, so basically the young to middle-aged adults that we have that volunteer and we worked with, they've held jobs. Some of them are nonverbal. Um, some on the spectrum, some have um, like a hereditary disorder, um, but we keep them pretty active by teaching them remote job skills, data entry, learning how to make a, temp a template in Adobe, DocuSign, um, send an email blast, like um, things of that sort. Of. Let's say, for instance, you had a PowerPoint training program and it was on YouTube, but you can't find it, then they will go in and recreate that whole PowerPoint and send it to you to make those edits and updates to repost it. So a lot of things that they do is for like small businesses, small organizations. They even um, answer the phones and during COVID call to uh, set people up appointments to get vaccinated. So these are all like job skills that's really needed, but for a small business, a small organization, you would probably have to outsource it and you would pay um, quite a bit to be starting out. And so those how those young um, to middle aged adults um, work with us. And then we also with the foundation um, bring in community partners and businesses 
to talk about aging with a disability. Um, it's a workshop we provided and we were funded in part by Texas Council for Developmental Disabilities, a really great organization if you're putting on an event or you need speakers. Um, and in September, we are going to prepare for our superheroes with special abilities resource fair. And so we're excited about planning that. And it's going to be some cosplayers there. And there'll probably be workshops about how to create your own costume, to do face paint. And in the meantime, we're still going to give those people um, community uh, resources and educational information. So the foundation is just something I'm, I'm very proud of and happy about. And we recently did a family fun day for autism awareness in East Texas. So that part is very, very fun to do. Um, and the cool part is we completed a report and we had over 500 people submit information about um, their families and their households. And what we found, which was interesting, is majority of the people said that they needed help with social activities and transportation. So we know without a doubt that a lot of parents are worried about the future of their child and being able to be sociable in the community and have a social life and to go to events. They're more so worried about them staying at home and playing video games or not just like leaving. So we're going to work on um, putting together something to to touch those aspects where we know people are really um struggling it or they need help with that social component. I don't think we realize how important it is for us to be able to be on the you know podcast together or for your organization to find members to chat together and let these feelings out, you know, and just see other people that are like us. And so that's what yeah. we're, the foundation is going to really focus on. I think we need to plan a field trip out <laughs> to Houston, Jean. Yeah. This is amazing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. We have loved having you on. We would love to have you on again. Um, please, uh, we will make sure and get all of the website and links um, in our show notes for the Chrysalis Spectrum Foundation and any other social media or other links that you want to provide. Thank um, you so much. Look her up, please, especially if you live in the area. Uh, I think it's this is a great resource for you. We we end every episode with a peak of the week, and we just talk about something. It doesn't. It can be something personal, but it can also be something that's uh, you know professional or whatever uh, that that was a highlight mm -hmm. for you in the last last week or so, and uh, something mm -hmm. to focus on, something positive. So uh, I, I can start out, uh, and we'll have Jean, and then and then you can let us know what you think if if you feel like sharing. But um, okay. Uh, speaking of respite, I'll just kind of tie it into our, our conversation. My brother is flying out today from out of state and he's going to watch my kids for a weekend. So my husband and I can get away and this is his Christmas gift. He gives to me every year and he has five children of his own. Uh, he's very busy. He's my younger brother. Uh, but he, uh, he chooses to do this and, um, we are dealing with some medication changes for my, my teenager right now. Uh, not, not a great time to leave, you know, not knowing how they're going to react to, to new meds. So I called him up and I, I was very anxious and I was explaining the situation. I'm really sorry this is happening. It's just one of those things. And, and he, without batting an eye, he just said, I'm in, it doesn't matter. We'll take care of it. It's going to be fine. And I needed that confidence. I needed to hear him be that confident. Even if he's lying to my face, 
the fact that he just I know said no I, problem. Honestly, I got it. I'm like I'm so I'm so envious, and I just want to cry listening to that again. I've already heard yeah, you say yeah, it, me but too. like because that is it. That is that is what you want to hear because when you start to hear the the hesitation and like, well, I don't know. Oh, and oh no. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Oh God. And then you're just like, now you feel like you're forcing it and you don't know what you're going to do. And right. Like you I'm d- kind of feeling a little bit, I'm kind of feeling that tonight and I'm not even going away for weekends. <laughs> okay. I'm getting right. that. I'm getting that in, you know, in a very and, small And I have shot. felt that before too. Like this is just an instance where, where he, he really, you know, said what I needed to hear. And I, I appreciate that. And I know things aren't necessarily going to go perfectly, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Everybody that's, that's, we <laughs> can't say that enough. <laughs> so Jean, what do you got? What's your peak of the week? <laughs> there has been good stuff and there has been good moments. I've been, you know, I, as hard as um, things are, with in my personally and even looking at the climate and the, because I'm, you know, a trustee and fighting stuff and and legislation right now, there's been all of the things that are happening good in our district and seeing our kids doing so well, like my kids are doing very, very well. And I'm why I'm so like, I'm every day they give me staff gives me like three to five things that are like, great that that are happening you have great communication with your staff yes it's been awesome like, to see it is it's a blessing and i hope that i i hope that i get the privilege to keep that on the ongoing yeah. basis it's you know it's kind of scary to think about um it's kind of scary to think about when i wouldn't have that um i will say this so the one really cool thing is and i even just like my staff, but indirect, you know, my superintendent. So yesterday I took my kids to a district event and for the first time, Rory was finally successful in pulling pulling a fire alarm. Yeah. (laughs) He pulled the fire alarm during the CTE signing event. And I was like, and this is, it was being held right by, and that means like, you know, career and technology enterprises, like that's the, what CTE stands for. So you're talking about all, you know, your trades, kids and getting trade certifications, right? So this is like a big day for them in the building that's right behind the firehouse and the fire chief and other fire staff are in the building. And for a second, I saw him in the corner and I saw it down and I was like, it's not going off. It's not going off. It's a good, thank God. Maybe it's broken. Maybe it's broken. Maybe it's broken. And then I realized it wasn't broken. (laughs) And, um, my superintendent was, he called me later to make sure he would make me feel better. He said, you know what, when I was a superintendent in Huffman, which is right outside of Houston, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, he said, my youngest put a paper clip in the, um, in a light switch and he shut down the entire power board in the district. Wow. And then he then got the, he got the nickname of MacGyver. He said, so Dean, <laughs> don't feel bad at all. And I was like, Oh, so I guess I have fire marshal bill and you have MacGyver. 
he said, seriously, do not feel bad. And I was like, oh, that is so sweet. Like he went out of his way to make sure that he's like, please don't stress about it. It's fine. Like I thought, I mean, it was about to clear out the building. The CTE director was like, um, should we get everyone out of here? And I was like, no, it's a false alarm. Just my kid screwing around. Finally was successful in that huge compulsion of want to set up the army. He succeeded. So that was our big moment, you know. His peak, my peak. Everyone's <laughs> peak. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Dr. Elliot, what's your peak of the week? Um, we're getting ready to prepare for our superheroes with special abilities of resource fair. So yeah. we're excited um about completing that project and um we wrapped up all our reporting for our last two projects so that's our big peak of the week and look forward to uh, yeah and then i'm here today so yes it's been it's been pretty great that's awesome (laughs) thank you thank you you're welcome we have loved talking to you um We've we've been able to we've had the privilege of speaking with Dr. Elliot off mic a couple of times over this last month, and we're all like in love with you, and we all oh, thank you. We're, we're all like fighting over who gets to talk to you, and it's just been amazing. we'd love to have you back on. So, uh, thank you everyone for joining us today. Please follow us at Moms Talk Autism uh, for more episodes. Please leave us a review. If you leave reviews. When people search for an autism podcast, the more reviews we have, it kind of bumps us up higher up on the list and people are able to find the episodes easier during those searches. So that's why we ask, ask for those reviews. So you can always email us at hello at mom's talk autism. And then Dr. Elliot, do you mind just really quick telling us the website? uh, It's chrysalis spectrum foundation.org. Chrysalis is C H R Y S A L I S foundation.org. We will make sure to include that a clickable link as well in the show notes. But Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Everyone have a great day and find those three people. Find find them. They're out there. Yeah. I promise. They're out there waiting. That's right. Oh gosh, I'm going to manifest that. <laughs> Just say it. Shout it to the, the hills. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Okay,